The National Desk, Conversations, America's News Now. I'm Jan Jeffcoat, and welcome to Episode 13 of the National Desk Conversations. Every weekday, we invite newsmakers onto our morning television broadcast to discuss topics everybody's talking about. And on today's podcast, it's all about government spending. We revisit our conversation with economist Scott Lincecum and this out-of-control inflation. But we begin with the CEO and founder of a watchdog group tracking your tax dollars, Adam Angievsky from OpenTheBooks.com. Waste of the week goes to government agencies for the trillions of taxpayer money, your money wasted during the end of the year spending spree. Joining us right now, the founder and CEO of OpenTheBooks.com, Adam Angievsky. Adam, happy Friday. Good morning to you. Happy Friday, Jan. Since 2019, Iowa Senator Joni Ernst has been working to put an end to all this wasteful government spending. And she's actually proposed capping agency spending during the last two months at the same rate of the beginning 10 months of the year. Not a bad idea, but let's set the table here, Adam, and talk about why this is so important because of what we're seeing happening every year during this time. Well, Jan, you make it, they take it. What we're talking about here is a phenomenon that happens at the end of the fiscal year, every single year in the federal agencies, where the agencies spend down their budgets this year to make sure they'll get the same amount or more from Congress next year. Now, our organization at OpenTheBooks.com has studied this phenomenon for the last couple of years. And incredibly, in the last week of the federal fiscal year, one out of every 10 contracts is spent. So one out of every 10 contracts goes out the door in the last week. It's a tremendous amount of money. We found, for instance, at the Department of Defense, that they spent in years past $1 million on PBR, that's the Professional Bull Riders Association. They've spent $9,000 on a club leather chair and up to $5 million on lobster tail and snow crab. And that's just one agency, and we're talking a trillion dollars total here is what you guys were looking at. Also, tell us about uh, the health and human services spending. Well, this year, we noticed that Congress allocated $2.8 uh, $2.8 trillion to health and human services. Up through the first 10 months of the year, they'd only spent $1.8 trillion. It's hard to spend a trillion dollars in the last two months of the fiscal year. In August and September, the federal fiscal year actually ends on September 30th every single year. So J- Senator Ernst has this great reform piece of legislation, and it says you couldn't spend more in the final two months of the year than what you'd spent on average for the previous 10 months. That applied to HHS this year would have saved over $600 billion. You know what's interesting is that seems like a common sense approach there. What has been the response over the years to this proposal? What stopped this from getting passed? Well, incredibly, you know, there's 50 Republicans, 50 Democrats in the, in the United States Senate, and nobody wants to talk about spending reforms. All of the good ideas with the pandemic went out the door. And so, look, right now we're debating the uh, debt ceiling increase. And Senator Ernst's proposal should be attached to any increase in the debt ceiling. This is common sense reform. We need a a spending ceiling is what we need at this point, it looks like, right? Are any other lawmakers bringing attention to the overspending of government agencies? And why has this been allowed to go on for so long? Well, you've got West Virginia U.S. Senator Joe Manchin and he's called for a strategic pause on spending, and that's a good idea. Now, at OpenTheBooks.com, we call for a war on waste. Mm. And, Jan, it's a target-rich environment. You got the Pentagon in years past 
They were paying $1,200 per coffee cup for their fighter pilots. They'd spent $300,000 before we showcased this and got that program stopped. So it's a target-rich environment to go after waste. 42% of spending, the American people think, is wasted at the federal level, and so lawmakers need to get to work. Yeah, and this is all taxpayer dollars we're talking about, too. This is what is coming out of our pockets. That's what makes this so very important. Adam Andrzejewski, always great to see you. Thanks for joining us this morning. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Jan. You're listening to our weekly podcast, The National Desk Conversations, featuring newsmaker interviews from The National Desk, America's News Now. Next on episode 13 of our podcast, we continue with inflation and government spending with economist Scott Lincecum. As inflation becomes the number one concern for Americans this holiday season, the Federal Reserve is in the midst of a two-day policy meeting to discuss some possible options to bring relief, perhaps, to all of us affected by the rise in prices, which is everybody. Well, joining us right now, Cato Senior Fellow in Economic Studies, Scott Lincecum. Scott, good morning. Great to see you this morning. Morning. So this is the first meeting the Federal Reserve is holding since Chairman Jerome Powell openly admitted lawmakers uh, to lawmakers that inflation has been higher and longer lasting than the central bank anticipated. It is not transitory. What specifically are you keeping an eye out for during this policy meeting? Yeah, the two things I want to see are the schedule of uh, the Fed's tapering its bond purchases, uh, slowing down that quantitative easing, and then seeing if there's any indication of, of uh, actual interest rate rise uh, raises next year. Um, the market's expecting a few, uh, whereas the Fed has previously uh, not, not hinted at nearly that much. Can we, can we talk about the taper timeline, break it down for us? How, how will speeding up the taper timeline help with inflation? Right. So the Fed, uh, through its quantitative easing program, um, buys uh, bonds, so treasuries, mortgage-backed securities. Um, and what that does is it creates a market for those and, and keeps uh, a lid on long-term interest rates. So as the Fed starts to temper, taper those purchases, you expect longer-term interest rates to rise as uh, the borrowers um, need to offer more higher rates in order to get people to buy, buy those bonds. So you're expecting... Uh, uh, the, that that that'll that'll happen when they start to to pair those purchases back. The other thing is that it's going to signal to the market that uh, higher rates are on the way, and that should raise real rates as well. We often talk about the consumer price index, not the producer price index, but the Labor Department just released those numbers as well, and it showed that it rose 9.6 percent in November from just a year earlier, and this also comes as the same report revealed consumer inflation rose 6.8 percent. What do you make of these numbers? And can you explain this to us, why these both are important? And what do they reveal about the future rise of inflation here in the U.S.? Yeah, the, I think the bigger numbers are the month-over-month numbers um, because, you know, those year-on-year -year comparisons can still be pretty wonky because last year um, things were really muted because COVID was, was really raging. Um, but still, those monthly numbers, um, either the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, or the Producer Price Index are both really, uh, still really elevated. The Producer Price Index just came in much higher than economists were expecting. And what that really means is that those are the prices that companies are charging each other. And what happens eventually is those get passed on to the consumer. And so they're a, a kind of a leading indicator of where consumer price inv inflation could be heading. And it's generally what, what we've expected, although it's a little hotter and a little broader um, than, than I think most economists were thinking. And Scott, how is inflation and the new Omicron variant impacting the stock market at this point? 
Right. Well, it's really a tricky situation because on the one hand, you have all this demand and you have all this these prices going up. But on the other hand, the, the, the fear is that Omicron acts as uh, a kind of dampening economic activity. So that, again, puts the Fed in a really tough spot. Um, they don't want to be raising rates at a time when economic activity is actually cooling off because of the virus. Right now, it looks like it's okay. But I think the bigger issue is what's going to happen abroad with a lot of places that don't have nearly the vaccination levels of the United States and Europe and a lot of the developed world. It's never good when there's uncertainty. Too much uncertainty always exactly. leads to this. Is there anything investors should keep in mind as the economy tries to, to find balance? Well, if you're a if you're a long-term investor like me, you don't pay much attention to it. Just keep stocking away your 401k, and everything's going to be fine. Uh, for short-term investors, man, you got a really hard job right now because there's just so much uncertainty in the market. The only really, I think, certain thing is that we can expect inflation uh, to last at least for the next several months. Uh, but beyond that, man, it's a tough call. And very quickly, when you look at energy costs and, and prices and demand and supply at this point. How, if you had to project right now, you know, looking three, six months down, down the line, what do you foresee? Um, well, I'm, I'm expecting more of the same for at least the next few months. Um, then things get a lot trickier because it's going to really depend a lot on Fed activity. I mean, the Fed has still has levers to pull in terms of cooling off the economy. The question's, I think, going to be, can it take control or is there going to see this right. wage price spiral that we start worrying about as workers start demanding more, uh, can mm -hmm. companies start charging more, and then mm -hmm. it feeds on itself. It sure does. Scott Lincecum, great having you here uh, at the National Desk. Welcome, and thank you for joining us. Have a great week. Thanks. That's episode 13 of the National Desk Conversations. Join me each weekday morning from 6 to 11 Eastern for the National Desk, America's News Now. Check your local listings, or you can stream it on our website, thenationaldesk.com. Our podcast comes out twice a week with fresh newsmaker interviews. The conversation continues. Until next time, from the National Desk, I'm Jan Jeffcoat.